This morning's reading from the Hebrew Scriptures comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a, like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This year, more than other years for me, I have been fascinated with Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah, who preached a word of hope in a very bleak and desolate landscape. He preached a word that said God will fulfill a promise, but made no promises as to when that promise would be fulfilled. It took hundreds and hundreds of years for that promise of Emmanuel to be born in Bethlehem. And hundreds of years in the eyes of God is just the blink of an eye. It's nothing. And it gives us some perspective. It helps us to zoom out and see big picture of God's love, big picture of God's promise. And it helps me and perhaps us realize this pilgrimage of trust that we walk takes time. And there's very little instant gratification in the life of the Spirit, there's a lot of delayed gratification and a lot of trust in the promise. So Isaiah is speaking in a context that is not an easy context. He's speaking to people who are without hope. He's speaking to people who have seen their uh, 
their kings banished, their political leaders either killed or sent into the desert or sent into exile. These people have seen the intelligent teachers of their time, intelligent voices cut off and sent away. They have seen their temple destroyed. They have seen family members die. They have seen their homes destroyed and the long march into the wilderness, through the desert, to Babylon. And they don't have much joy. And Isaiah promises them joy. Some of them must have looked at Isaiah and shook their heads as if to say, have you lost your ability to see? Do you not see what's happened to us? How can we be joyful here? And isn't it interesting that he keeps preaching joy? Joy, different than happiness, as Pastor Sharon shared with the children this morning, happiness is based on happenstance, things happening well. If things are going well, we're happy. Joy, on the other hand, comes from knowing God is present. Joy is not contingent upon things going our way or things even looking good. Joy can be experienced in our depths and it has nothing to do with things going well. It has everything to do with knowing that God is present. Listen to the joy that is throughout this. I'm just going to read a few verses from Isaiah. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice. The desert he's talking about. Pretty hot, pretty bleak. Not much growth happening there. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. He goes on to say, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Does this sound like the Isaiah text that Jesus preached on his first sermon? And the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert, the burning sand shall become like a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. I don't know about you, but sometimes we go through seasons where it just feels like we're in a desert. Seasons in the spiritual life, seasons of our emotional lives, seasons in our relationships where we just feel like there's no growth. It's just barren, if not dead. And, and this desert feels so, so much like a wasteland that we start losing hope. And we wonder, where is God in the midst of this? Sometimes we feel this in our lives. Sometimes we feel this in our churches. Sometimes we feel this in our denomination. Our country, our world sometimes just looks like a desert with no growth, no life, very little happening. And it is in those deserts we're invited to trust. We get in touch with our, 
our lack. We get in touch with our fears of not having enough love. I mean, in the desert, you're worried about not having enough water. It's a very real issue for people who have been thrust into the desert. Will there be enough water? Will there be enough food? Will there be enough shelter from the the sun? Will there be enough security? Will there be enough peace? We worry about this. Will there be enough contentedness in our relationships? Will Will there be enough meaning? We worry about the lack of common sense. Will there be enough common sense? Will there be enough civility? Will there be enough compassion? Will there be enough direction? Will there be enough guidance? Sometimes we worry about simply being understood in our relationships, in our world. And Isaiah, every Advent comes to say, in that bleak desert that we walk through, look for joy. It doesn't come from what you see with your eyes. It comes from what you see with your heart. There can be joy in the midst of all of the desolation that I just described in our relationships, in our emotions, in our spiritual lives, in our geopolitics. There can be a joy that we find in the desert. Let me just lift up three things of how we might find joy in the midst of our deserts. By the way, if you're not in a desert, praise God. Praise God, I'm not preaching to you. You can just be thankful. You just tune me out and give God thanks. But if you have ever been in a desert or you know someone who is in a desert, this is a word perhaps for you. One of the things that we do in deserts is we recognize that we are no longer in control and we are dependent on God. This is an affront to our egos. We don't like this because we like to control things. In a desert, we are not in control and we are dependent on God. Whoever God is in this season of our lives, this mystery, that we call God. We are dependent on this mystery. The second way that we might be ushered to a a relationship with the divine that may help us experience joy in the desert is to realize that we're empty. We're hungry. We're thirsty. And that may be really important for us to recognize that our souls are thirsty for something that other drinks just can't satisfy. We're hungry for food. There's so much good food in this Advent and Christmas season, but that food won't satisfy our deepest hunger. Do you know that if we are completely full, we can't receive anything? If we come before God in prayer or in worship and say, God, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm set, don't need anything, God's okay with that, God loves us, but 
God wants to pour God's self out to us. If there's anything we've learned from Jesus, it is Jesus' desire to pour himself out to us. If we're full, we can't receive. So don't run from your emptiness. Sometimes we do that. We, we get in touch with our emptiness, our poverty, our inner poverty, and we do anything to run from it. We turn on the radio, we turn on our iPod, we fill our schedules with activities. We run from our own spiritual poverty. Don't run too quickly because that desert experience may be what opens us up to say, God, I need you. Do you see my emptiness? Do you see my thirst? Do you see my hunger? The third is to trust that God may be doing something not exactly in our midst, but somewhere else. This summer, we were doing some hiking in the deserts, desert southwest in New Mexico. And we were told, when you go up on these trails, don't spend too much time in the arroyos. An arroyo is, is, is a, a dry stream bed, bone dry. And it has walls that have been carved out by water. Sometimes there are a few plants growing in there, but most, when we were there, it was just rocks and sand and fossils. Desert. They said, if you're going to have to hike through an arroyo to get to the other side, hike quickly. Don't spend much time there. Because even though the sun may be shining, the sky may be blue, somewhere else in the desert, in the monsoon season, it has rained, it has poured, and that water comes through the arroyo like a train, and you have very little warning. And so we would hike through these arroyos and look up and down and see no water and think, this must really be strange when it rains somewhere else and the flood comes like a roaring river. Fortunately, that didn't happen to us while we were hiking there, but this must be something that Isaiah also saw in the desert as a reality. Look, look at what he says here in verse 6, 35 verse 6. The waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become like a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. It's a great image. Now here's where we might take heart in trusting. God may be showering blessings somewhere else. And it may feel like God's not blessing us at all. This is part of the spiritual life. This happens. But the blessings that God is doing, something loving, something good somewhere else, has an effect on us. And that stream is coming. And we're invited to trust that the stream of what God is doing anywhere in the world affects us. Likewise, when we are in the flow of love, when we are in the flow of God's love, which is God's great hope for us, what we experience will affect someone downstream from us. We're invited to trust 
that even though it might look barren now, somewhere else God is doing something. Somewhere else someone is in the flow of love and we're invited to trust God's handiwork will not only affect them there, but will come towards us or through us to someone else. Finally, I, I close with this word from Isaiah, perhaps a word for someone here who may be walking through the landscape of fear or dread. Sometimes some people get up in the morning and the first thought is, what do I need to be afraid of? Or some people walk into a room and they look around the room and they say, who do I need to be afraid of? Here's the word to you and to me. Isaiah 35, verse 4. Say to those who are of fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. Would you say this with me? Be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. May it be so for you and for me. Amen.